This podcast is sponsored by Aurora Packaging Solutions, a global packaging solutions provider leading the transition to a more sustainably packaged future. They specialize in developing packaging and visual communication solutions that reduce the impact on the environment and bring sustainability goals to life. With a focus on partnership and service, they create a custom solution for your business. To learn more, please visit www.ororapackaging.com. Welcome to Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors. I've got two amazing people today in the world of sustainable packaging from different companies, but this all works together, you'll see, I promise. We've got Camille Herrera and Zach Moscato. Camille, will you tell us about yourself and and where you work and what you do there? Yeah, absolutely. So I am Driscoll's Package Development and Sustainability Manager. I've been here for three years. And what I've done primarily is think about, you know, what happens to our clamshells at end of life and how we develop packaging to make sure that it's recyclable and it's hitting a variety of sustainability metrics. I love that. I'm a huge fan of Driscoll's. My family enjoys your berries often and a lot. My son and daughter are are big fans and I am too. So thank you for what you do. Zach, can you tell us about yourself? Yeah. Thank you for having me, Corey. So I'm Zach Moscato. I lead sustainability efforts for a company named Plastic Ingenuity. We are a custom thermoformer. I've been in the thermoforming industry for close to 20 years and with Plastic Ingenuity for six in this role for two. So where I focus a lot of my efforts is on building circularity for thermoforms. So that means designing them for recyclability, getting them to be recycled in practice, and then adding recycled content to them to build that circularity that we're all striving to achieve. It's really excellent to hear. I I know we've had a lot of discussion about this in the world of packaging as of late. PET is very recyclable, but for some reason, only PET bottles, which are normally considered as water bottles, juice bottles, are considered recyclable and are recycled. But what we are talking about in this episode and what's exciting news is not only are PET thermoform trays recyclable, but they will be much more recycled in the future. And the work that you're doing, the work that Camille is doing and and Driscoll's and, and Plastic Ingenuity is really helping push that forward. So I was excited to get you all together and, and talk this. Camille, can you tell us about Driscoll's? What what kinds of things are you putting in these thermoforms? Yeah, well, you know, we are the global leader for fresh raspberries, strawberries, blueberries, and blackberries. Awesome. And so we grow in, in several regions of the world, but I work specifically for Driscoll's of the Americas where we grow in Chile, Peru. I think we just started in Colombia recently. Then you jump up to central Mexico, Baja California, the West Coast of California, then the Pacific Northwest, Canada, and then Mm -hmm. a little bit in Florida, as well as in New Jersey. You know, my first job ever, I was a kid. And in the Northwest here, we get to pick strawberries when you're very young. At least we used to be able to. I think I was 11. And I loved it for about a week. And then I hated it. (laughs) That is hard work. So the people that work for you and your company, I'm thankful for them because I remember how difficult that was. It is challenging. We have a school university where we take office employees out to the field to, to try and harvest. And our chief of staff, you know, was out there doing and the, the field manager said, I can't afford you. You're too expensive. You're too slow. <laughs> so it, Sorry, it really you're fired. is a, a skill. It really takes a, a lot of effort to, to be good at it. <laughs> 
Well, I think that's awesome. I think all companies should do that. Like we were talking about before the the podcast, I started working at warehouse making boxes. And I think to be able to start in production is so important for people like us. So I like that. Driscoll's University. What a what a great idea. Zach, can you tell us a little bit more about Plastic Ingenuity? Where are you located? What kinds of things do you make? Yeah, thanks, Corey. So I uh, we're located, our headquarters is in the Madison, Wisconsin area. We have seven facilities in North America, two in Mexico, five in the U.S., kind of spread throughout the country from North Carolina, Arkansas, Wisconsin to Utah. So a little known fact about us is we're one of the largest custom thermoformers in North America. So everything we do is thermoformed. Everything we do is custom. And we're, we're known for our engineering support, speed to market and agility. And now we're focusing intensely on building out circularity options for, for our products, the products that we put out in the world, namely thermoforms. And a lot, you know, there's a lot of reasons why thermoforms and why there's a lot of opportunities to recycle more thermoforms. Yeah. We're focused on anywhere from design to making these systematic impactful changes that need to take place to recover more thermoforms in practice. It's really excellent to hear and great news. And it's kind of a relief because I think one of the more challenging things to recycle in the past has been PET thermoforms. Mm -hmm. But Camille, your company has really taken the bull by the horns here and is leading the charge to to recycle these even more. Can you tell us how you're doing that and, and how that's going? Yeah, absolutely. So in 2016, a NGO brought to our attention that even though berry containers across across the sector contain the highest percentage of recycled content, it's over, you know, 40 to 50% post-consumer recycled content. But even because of that, it was coming from bottles. It wasn't coming from thermoforms. And they said, that's nice. Your thermoforms aren't getting recycled. This is a problem. Uh, And we had a really visionary director at that time who said, you know what, let's investigate this. Let's really see, you know, what's going on here. And so we started doing testing, you know, we're we're studying, you know, the, the infrastructure and the design. And so, you know, we learned that there were design changes we could make to make it even more recyclable. And there was some processing infrastructure that needed to be upgraded to really recycle them with the same yield that that bottles get when they're recycled. And then we said, you know what? We are an end market. We buy recycled content. And so the way to get our material recycled is to say that we are going to buy it back at its you know end of life. And so right. that's what we told our suppliers in, in 2019. We said by the end of 2020, all of our clamshells have to contain 10% recycled content from recycled clamshells. Wow. Excellent. And, you know, what you're doing is you're creating demand. And that's so important to the process, I think, that that's why it will be successful. You know, if, if the thermoform, thermoformer wants to work with you, they better have thermoform trays in their, in their material uh, to make more. So, well done. Excellent. One tip I think we should share with people listening is is something that we talked about. And this is one of the trays. If you're listening, it's a Driscoll's raspberry tray. Beautiful packaging. My kids ate this probably in two days. But there inside are two white squares. Can you tell us about those and what should consumers do with those before they go to recycle this tray? Absolutely. So what you're referencing is what's called the pad. And some people have, you know, the reason the pads are in there is to soak up the juice. 
It's only for raspberries and blackberries. Those guys are really delicate. Their skins break very easily. And for a good consumer experience, when you know you go to pick up your clamshell at the grocery store, we want that pad in there to soak up the juice so you're not scooping up a clamshell with juice coming out of the bottom. Yeah. It's an important part of the packaging, but it must be separated to be successfully recycled. And I think that's one, one thing that we, we need to tell the world. Absolutely. And that's an area of innovation for us that we're working on is to get a pad that is at least recycle ready to where it's not a contaminant. So that's definitely a work in progress. I like that. Yeah. If you could figure out a way to make it PET material, that would be incredible. But I don't know how absorbent PET is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a little bit of a catch 22. (laughs) Right. Right. Packaging has come a long ways, but I don't think we're there yet. (laughs) (laughs) Still a lot of material limitations. Well, again, huge fan excited about this. Can you guys tell us what you think the future of sustainable packaging will look like? Will it be 100% post-consumer recycled material? So that's a great question, Corey. I tend to believe that there's not one magic bullet or one magic solution. I think it's a mix of solutions that are going to get us where we need to go. I I do think the aim needs to be circularity and keeping materials in our economy and regenerating from regenerative sources. Yes. Um, So obviously recycling is a a big part of that. Um, Also reusability and just minimizing waste and being efficient with our designs all feeds into this concept of circularity and, and, and minimizing the amount of waste that we put out in the world. And, you know, we, we can talk about some of the unique challenges that, that PET thermoforms represent and where we're focused on that journey to circularity. Because I think there is some really exciting progress to be made. And, you know, look, they said we can't have a truly circular future for packaging without including thermoforms. Well said. And, you know, rigid high-density polyethylene materials, which are commonly used in like a a soap or things like that, a detergent for clothes or something like that. Those are very recyclable and very recycled. I visited a Murph and they love them because they're easy to pull out. They're easy to identify, you know, and it just said they had bales and bales and bales of these brightly colored plastic containers. And I, I guess the question is, how do we do that with, with something that's clear? And I think you know, there's companies like Digimark that are making huge advances in the digitally markings of these containers. Is that the kinds of things that you're looking at to, to make them more recyclable? Yeah, there are. So there are material innovations, there's sortation, sortation innovations that are very exciting, robotics. So a majority of PET thermoforms are recycled today by inclusion with PET bottle bales. Okay. So to, in about about 140 million pounds of PET thermoforms were recycled last year, according to NAPCOR, which wow. is a lot. It sounds like a lot, but unfortunately, it's only about 9% <laughs> yeah. of overall, at overall rate. So we need to do better. We will do better. I think the big question we have is, are we going to continue recycling clamshells through bottle bales? Or is the future recycling them through bales of their own? So having the yeah. MRFs sort out PET clamshells and other PET thermoforms into their own bales. And to get over the hump, that's where I truly believe we need to be focused. What, where that sorting occurs, I think it needs to be determined, but it's innovations like sortation technology. And I can't tell you how critical it is to have brands like Driscoll's leading the way and saying, look, we want to we wanna use this material. Now go out there, capture it, reprocess it so that we can essentially become our own material material suppliers 
those and those commitments that they're making like, truly does drive action, truly does drive investments up and down the, the supply chain. Yeah, well said. Any other thoughts there, Camille? No, I well, yes. <laughs> as, as Zach was <laughs> saying, you know, the, the first step was just in some cases getting thermoforms included in PET bottle bales just to, yeah, to get that right. step to capture that material. But, you know, when we do talk to processors, to really optimize yield, you do have to separate bottles from clamshells because of what's known as the difference in their intrinsic viscosity. That's how mm-hmm. brittle or how flexible something is. Bottles are more flexible. They haven't been heated as much and as often as PET thermoforms are. So PET thermoforms are a little more brittle, not to mention the the shape of them, right? Versus the bottle, the the way the processing infrastructure, they're coming in. The labels for bottles are totally different than labels for for PET clamshells. And so all those things mean that it's good enough for now to recycle clamshells along with bottles, but the future, and when I talk to our processors that are doing this, is the future is truly separating PET clamshells from PET bottles. Yeah, yes. thermoform to thermoform recycling is possible. It is feasible. There are just design considerations that, that need to take place, and Camille can, can talk to those in detail. But it is possible. It is feasible. <laughs> People are doing it. We just need to keep building demand and, and keep the momentum moving forward. It seems like that's the case, and it seems like... Sometimes we put the cart before the horse, but in this situation, I think I think we're doing the system the right way. We're working with all involved to make it a system that works for consumers, for MRFs, for production facilities, for, for berry companies. You know, everybody's happy in the end. And most important, like you said, the consumer wants a product that they can eat safely. And that's what you've created right now as a trade that, that people trust and it works. And when we buy our fruits and they, they last for as long as they can <laughs> and sometimes not long enough, but rarely do they go bad because we eat them so fast. <laughs> you know, a package has a job to do. And yeah. if a package doesn't do that job, it's not sustainable. I don't care like what material it's made of, how many times it's recycled. If it doesn't protect the product. That is not a sustainable option. I've been really excited to see lately how much the conversation of food waste has been coming into play with packaging, because I think that's something that people really forget. On average, over 40% of food is wasted. And so anything you know that contributes to greenhouse gas emissions, it's a waste of our very precious water resources, human labor, all these things. And so I'm really happy to see that enter into the conversation because it is a factor. And there have been some studies done that have proved, you know, if a package actually extends the shelf life of a product, then it's usually worth, you know, the offset of greenhouse gas emissions. Well said. Yeah, there's nothing sustainable about spoiled food. There's nothing sustainable about damaged products. And we say that often because let's let's say you went to a 100% post-consumer recycled material and it didn't work right away. And we had a bunch of damaged or unusable produce or fruit and vegetables that would be the worst case scenario. So I think this taking baby steps and figuring out along the way is kind of how we have to do this, especially when it comes to food. Any other hilarious stories or things that you guys want to say? (laughs) Well, I was thinking, um, you know, about the scale, right? That's one of the things that I, I deal with a lot in my role is people say, oh my gosh, Camille, there's this, I saw this news article, there's this, you know, CBS, NBC, you know, somebody had had this really breakthrough uh, material. And mm-hmm. it's, that's great. We need innovation. We need continued research into these areas. But 
if I want to implement this next year, can I scale it? Can I get 100 million packages out of this? And then the following year, can I get 150 million packages out of this, right? Like, yeah. so I, I think there's this aspect. And one thing that I, I thought about recently was that the scale at which people are investing in PT thermoform recycling is astronomical. In 2019, nobody was doing this. Right. Today, we have three fully operating facilities on not Driscoll's, but like our, our partners have three fully operating facilities where PET thermoforms are recycled. There's one in progress in Texas, and then there's one planned for North Carolina in 2024. And then there's a pilot plant going into the Pacific Northwest sometime in 2023. That's six facilities between 2020 and 2024. Um, and then Zach, you know, has inside information on his own <laughs> operations as well. Yes. Exciting to see the level of investment. And that's, you know, that's in the reclamation side. There's also some exciting investments being made on the collection side, you know, namely through uh, an organization that we support called the Recycling Partnership and their PET Recycling Coalition. So what we were talking about earlier was some of the challenges of sorting and collecting. They, they essentially provide grants to recyclers that are focused on capturing PET thermoforms, capturing more PET in the system and helping recognize where those hurdles and bottlenecks are so that we can overcome those together. So I'm excited to see the level of investments that's taking place really up and down the supply chain from the brand owners all the way back to the material suppliers. It's really exciting to hear. And Camille, thank you for telling me about the facility in the the Northwest. I'll have to connect with you if you know somebody who knows somebody that can get me in there to see. But uh, I I believe I know about the one in Texas that you were talking about. But this is it's an exciting time. I love being a part of these new positive things that we can share with the world about packaging that's sustainable. And every day we're working hard to be more and more sustainable. So thank you all for for being a part of that mission and for really doing the work that's gonna move the needle to the right side and help the world be more uh, sustainable. Thank you. Absolutely. And can I share with you our success from 2021? Please. Yeah, yeah. So let me, I'm looking over to the side just to make sure I get these numbers exactly right. In 2021, 9% 9% of our post-consumer recycled content came from PET thermoforms. Awesome. Um, so that nice. means we kept over 10 million pounds of PET thermoforms out of the landfill. Wow. We reduced our greenhouse gas emissions by 5,300 plus metric tons. And then we, our goal is by 2025 to have 25% of our recycled content come from wow. PET thermoforms. Well, it's it's still a bit of a moonshoot goal, but you know we're we're doing everything in our power to tell the story, to get other people excited about it, and you know do what we can to really make this a success. Because I know how stressful this is for consumers. It is. It is. It's a challenge. Our, our recycle bins are filling up, and we want to to make this easier for all. And you know, I'm excited to see the future of this and how it works out. Well, thank you both again. Appreciate it. Thank you, Landsberg Aurora, for sponsoring this podcast. If you're listening, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And appreciate it very much. Thanks, Corey. Thanks so much for having us, Corey. This episode is sponsored by Specrite, the first purpose-built platform for specification management. So much has changed when it comes to packaging, and there's a new book to help you stay ahead of the curve. The Evolution of Products and Packaging, written by longtime packaging executive, Mr. Matthew Wright, helps you unpack industry trends and explains how you can use data to drive packaging, innovation, and sustainability. 
Download your free copy today at specright.com backslash book. That's S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com backslash book.